This is Longview Living, the podcast that guides physicians and dentists on a path towards financial security. Welcome to the Longview Living Podcast. My name is Bonnie Catherine Prather, and I am your host for today's episode. Today, we have two of Longview Planning Partners managing partners, John Prather and Marcus Esposito, and we will be discussing risk. John and Marcus walk us through defining risk and what it looks like to manage this risk. A quick note before we get started. The information provided in this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended as investment advice or a solicitation to purchase or sell securities. Asset allocation does not guarantee a profit or protect against loss and declining markets. There is no guarantee that a diversified portfolio will outperform a non-diversified portfolio or that diversification among asset classes will reduce risk. So with that said, here's today's episode. Marcus and John, thank you both so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Our topic today is risk management, specifically in an investment portfolio. And I think maybe a good place to start on this subject is just defining risk and really what does it mean Really, what does risk mean? Yeah, I guess that's a good place to start. I'll, I'll jump in first. So, you know, I think when, you know, people talk about risk, uh, typically what they're talking about is a risk of loss. You know, uh, there's a lot of risks that we take on every day um, without even thinking about it. But when you talk about an investment portfolio, typically something that's risky or riskier, um, you know, is uh defined by, you know, like I said, risk of loss. So, you know, uh, and in the stock market, you know, there's always a risk. You buy a stock, a publicly traded company, and there's always a risk of of loss, meaning that that company could be worth nothing. And as a stockholder, um, if you own an interest in that company and that company is worth nothing, it goes completely belly up, then uh, you have lost everything, right? And so typically you try to mitigate that risk by buying more than one stock or diversifying, you know, not keeping all your eggs in one basket, as people say. So, but even then you, you accept risk because even if you own a hundred stocks or 500 stocks or a thousand stocks in some sort of index or mutual fund, or, or just didn't cross your portfolio, um, you still take on risk in the sense that the market goes up and down as we've learned over the years. And so, uh, your portfolio then is really your risk is not necessarily risk or not as much risk of it being worth zero at the end of the year, but that it's fluctuated downward. And now your your $100,000 investment, as an example, is now worth 80000 or 75000 or in some cases, maybe 60000 historically. And so that risk of fluctuation, you know, is what we would sort of def- d- define as market risk. Um and then, you know, uh, I know, Marcus, you might be able to piggyback on that a little bit and talk about outside the stock market, still in an investment portfolio, but, you know, maybe in the bond or the fixed income markets, what risk looks like. Yeah, yeah. Since certainly since you talked a little bit about the stock market, let's let's talk about the bond market a little bit. And and the risk is is still common in the bond market. I think we tend to associate bonds or, or maybe what we call fixed income as, as uh, 
less risky, but but again, still there is risk associated with it. And but but a lot of them aren't aren't very identical, you know. And the big thing with with the fixed income market is default risk, right? We've essentially loaned money to a company or a government a municipality and default risk would be, you know, their inability to make payments, make interest payments back or that they totally went under. Uh, there are some other risks, for example, like interest rate risk, which is that if interest rates change while you've owned some form of fixed income, then it could affect the uh, value of the bond you hold if you were to uh, sell it before maturity. And so if interest rates go up, it could affect it one way. If interest rates go down, it could affect it another way, the, the price of an actual bond. Um, but there are also a few other risks. Uh, maybe I'll just hit one more because it's been a little bit more prevalent in our world is inflation risk. And inflation risk is an interesting one because it's really just looking at, well, is the interest that I'm collecting in, in fixed income, is it outpacing or is it now not outpacing inflation? And so the interest rate risk is now, well, inflation is much higher than what I'm receiving as interest. And so I'm effectively losing purchasing power because of that. That's really helpful. And, you know, thinking about those definitions y'all shared, which of those risks have been kind of more prevalent in recent years for investors? Well, I would say, you know, in more recently, uh, in the shorter term past, uh, they both have been, which has been unusual. And, um, and that's, you know, a risk in and of, in and of itself really is because typically, you know, while stocks, as I said earlier, are considered typically more risky, so typically you diversify away from stocks to help mitigate some of the stock the risk you take on in the stock market. You diversify into bonds so that if stocks are down, bonds typically, at least historically, have always been up. Um, and this past year, they were both down together, uh, and so uh, that was, you know. Uh, and a time when that diversification uh, it really hadn't didn't help it didn't work uh, in some sense and so um you know so recently it's been you know pretty unusual we've we've the risks we've talked about you know a lot of them have all happened um you know we've we've had high inflation and that's caused some interest uh, some inflation risk it's caused uh interest rate risk in the fact that uh interest rates have gone up um as i sort of stick to fixed income here and um so yeah i mean it's been a an interesting time where we've seen a lot of these risks that we just hit on kind of come to fruition i think we've definitely seen and felt that in recent years and so you know, when you manage your clients' portfolios, what kinds of things are you doing to help manage or mitigate those risks for your clients? 
Well, in the stock world, you know, with clients that have allocations in the stock market, which is most everybody, um, then, you know, we look at diversification is the first thing. So, you know, the very first risk I talked about was sort of security risk. If you own one security and it, you know, goes down 90% or, uh, or it goes away altogether, then you've lost all your money. But if you diversify across 10 stocks or 100 stocks, in the case of 100 stocks, if that one company goes belly up, then you've lost 1% of your portfolio. So you can diversify um, that way. You still are taking on risk, as I mentioned, because then it becomes more market risk. You sort of uh, then, you know, experience the loss of the market at large uh, when you own uh, a diversified portfolio of stocks. But, you know, we we so diversification is really the the first sort of mitigator of risk that we try to do, not eliminate risk, but to try to manage it. And and we look at, you know, diversifying across asset classes. So stocks, bonds, and real estate, and then within the asset classes. So within the stock market in, uh, portfolio, we can diversify, uh, you know, across industry, um, across uh, different capital size of companies. We can diversify domestically and internationally. So, um, you know, find good companies that are, you know, a portfolio of good companies that's broadly diversified across industry, across geography, across, um, you know, the size of the companies from smaller companies to larger companies. And so there's ways to really diversify that way. Um, you know, and, you know, when you do that, um, you know, you, you can manage the risk down. So, you can diversify and, and, and always have something that's outperformed the other. And so, yeah, so then, you know, managing across asset classes to the bond part, I'll let Marcus sort of speak about, you know, mitigation factors that we use there. Yeah, I mean, across the, the bond market itself, there's, you know, kind of a handful of things that, that are done that managers tend to do to try and mitigate risk. Some similar to what John said, you know, it could be across uh, different industries. It could be across different countries of origin. Um, at the same time, there are, and, and this probably goes for the stock market too, what is an important thing with the sort of credit side of things is, um, is when we talk about default risk, is sort of quality. And so if we think about it sort of like a credit score, favoring things that are that are much higher quality. The the other things that we tend to see, depending on where interest rates may, may move, managers will tend to favor longer term bonds from a maturity standpoint or shorter term. So uh, which the shorter you are, the the more interest rate movement there is, you're, you become a little bit more insulated from it, not totally insulated, but a little bit more insulated from it. And so there are lots of components to diversification on the fixed income side, just like there are on the equity side, the stock side. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, you mentioned earlier, Marcus, uh, you know, the purchasing power. And ultimately, when you invest your money, what you're trying to do is gain purchasing power over time. That's essentially what money is. It's a currency and a measure of, of purchasing power. And so if inflation is making the dollar over time less valuable, uh, then you have to 
counter that because that's what we would call, you know, purchasing power risk or risk of inflation. You have to counter that by putting your money to work in things that are growing faster than inflation. So, so if, and, and typically that's, you know, stocks and some bonds to where you're trying to get a rate of return greater than inflation. And if you're not, if you, for instance, run from the risk of the stock market by um, burying your money in the pickle jar in the backyard and taking, you know, no risk or buying, you know, keeping it in cash and you're safe at home, uh, then that money's you've you've traded one risk for another, and you know we call that growing going broke slowly, um, because inflation is taking those dollars and making them less valuable every day, when the price of bread or the price of milk at the grocery store goes up. So, uh, so it's important to understand that they, we have to accept some risk. Um, it's just which risk do you want to accept and which risk risk are you most comfortable for, and then. Our job is to manage money, to try to mitigate and limit the risks within the choices that you've made. So um, anyway. Yeah, that's all very helpful information. And I think very pertinent to where we are right now in society. Um, so I appreciate y'all's wisdom. Before we wrap up, do either of you have any final words of wisdom or encouragement to our listeners on this subject? And I would say, you know, the first thing sort of as a foundation um, to money management, um, when you invest money, is is to have a plan, uh, you know, and and a financial, a comprehensive financial plan for an individual really helps to set the context with with within which you invest your money, and so it helps to define your time horizon. It helps uh, to define your own risk tolerance, and which and define which risks that you're willing to take on and which risks you won't. Um, you, you won't be willing to take on or the, the risks that you want to in, avoid entirely. And so with, with that uh, as, you know, being developed through the course of a, of a comprehensive plan, you're better, better able then to make the critical decisions of how to diversify your portfolio, you know, across asset classes and within asset classes. And uh, it really makes you a better investor. Um, so that, that would be my really focused uh, recommendation for people is that is that really um, they start their whole you know investment journey if you will or if they're well into their investment journey that they always keep current their plan somebody told me once i don't remember who so sorry to whoever out there told me this but but they they told me you know volatility is is really the price of admission it's it's the cost of admission to to enjoy potentially higher rates of return and 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 so very you know very often there are people who aren't willing to pay the the price of admission but if we look historically so we're going to call this ticket uh, concert i guess if we look historically you know they typically, whoever we're going to see, puts on a really good show if we stay for the whole concert. There very may be a you know a song that we don't enjoy as much, but but for the full concert, it's a really good concert that you you tend to miss if you're not willing to pay the price of admission. But you've got to sit in your seat and 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 bear through that that one song you may not like. And and what we maybe haven't mentioned is, is another risk that exists is 
what we would call opportunity cost risk, right? So we have all these risks that we talked about of things going down. But again, as we say historically, if it was a really good concert, and so your opportunity cost tends to be, well, what if I didn't do this? Because if I didn't do it, while I may expose myself to these risks, where am I better off over a longer period of time? So if I'm willing to take on some of these risks and, and stay put, am I better off there, right? Is my, my opportunity cost is, is what I've given up by not doing it. So like you said, John, I may bury some money in a pickle jar in my backyard. And, you know, let's say I put a thousand dollars there and I dig it up in 10 years or, or 20 years and, Guess what it's worth if it if somebody hasn't broken that glass and gotten to it is it's still worth a thousand dollars. But we've seen rising inflation recently, and you know what I could buy a thousand for a thousand dollars ten years ago is not the same as it is today. And so, you know, is my opportunity cost that it could have been worth three thousand? Yeah, and I think you know you you mentioned volatility, Marcus, and, you know, and I'm with you. I, I've been told this by others as well, but when I first got into the business, but, you know, volatility can can be your friend uh, and you really have to mentally look at it that way. And a great example would be is if, um, if think of your favorite, whatever, clothing store, gadget store, wherever you like to shop. And uh, if they put a sign up in the window that said, 40% off entire inventory, what happens? Everybody rushes in, right? Because uh, they want they want to buy things at 60% of their value or their perceived value or their previous value. Um, but when, for some reason, when that happens in the stock market, what's everybody do? They rush out. Yeah, so I believe that. I, I believe... You know, probably two of your your best friends in the market in volatile times. One is just time in, time in the market, right? The the longer we go, history tells us the you know, sort of in a sense, the better our averages become. But the other one, I think, kind of what what you've sort of mentioned is you know what they call sort of dollar cost averaging, but but continued and persistent savings and contributions allowing you to buy at these, you know, perceived lower, better prices. Yeah, agreed. Those are some really great analogies and examples, and I think paint the picture very well. So I appreciate both of you and appreciate your time. We always enjoy having you on the podcast, and we look forward to next time. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to the Longview Living Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and benefited from the information we shared. Your time and attention on a regular basis are a gift. As always, you can head over to longviewplan.com to sign up to receive our newsletter, as well as check out all the resources on our page. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.